0: us this morning. Praise the Lord. You guys can hug. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I want to thank God first for the opportunity to speak to you this morning, and I want to thank Pastor for giving me the opportunity to be up here because it is a privilege. It's a privilege. Amen? And I wanted to start by asking you, isn't God good? Isn't God good? Amen. I know this from experience. I'm sure you do as well. And I'd like to give a brief, uh, obviously notice, uh, our daughter, Evelyn. She's doing good. She's healthy. She's weighing nine pounds, eight ounces. Amen. And that's why I say it. Isn't God good? Amen. I want to start this morning Uh, You can have it. You may be seated. Probably starting different than most, right? An attorney, David Gibbs, tells a story about a time he was doing a lawsuit in Alaska. They were out in the Aleutian Islands and were headed back to Anchorage. And on this day, he was taking a flight back home. A pastor approached him and asked him, hey, I flew here in a small plane. uh you can take a ride with me and save your money. You don't have to spend money on a ticket. And with a lot of nervousness, with a lot of hesitation, uh, David Gibbs accepted him and his other lawyer friend. And uh, they went to the, to the plane. They went on the tarmac. They saw the airplane, a small airplane, probably a Cessna or a Piper. And uh, David Gibbs tells the story that he noticed the plane was shiny, so that was good. It was a newer plane. And uh, they got in the airplane, they did all the checks, and um, the pastor started the engine, started down the runway, and David Gibbs tells him, have you prayed before taking off? And the pastor says, no. He says, well, we oughta. to. You know, let's pray. And I think he prayed for eight minutes. It was the longest prayer on a tarmac David Gibbs has had. And everything was fine. They took off. They started their first ascend, their first climb. And everything was going great, but all of a sudden, as they were taking off, they left Anchorage area. The pastor, the owner of the plane, the pilot, turns to David Gibbs and tells him, hey, uh, there's, there's a problem. There's clouds coming up, and uh, I pass out when I'm in clouds. I can't fly. And David Gibbs tells the story, and he tells him, what? You do What? And sure enough, as soon as they went into the clouds, the eyes of the pastor, of the pilot, rolled back, and he was out cold. David Gibbs, not a pilot, a lawyer, and his lawyer friend are now pilotless. They're flying into God knows where. And I'll pause the story there, and we'll continue later on. If you'd like to open up your Bibles, good cliffhanger, right? I know. Open your Bibles to John 10.10. 10. You, may, you may stand in reverence to the Bible and the word of God. John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I am come that they may have life and then they may have it more, say it together, abundantly. Amen. I want to preach to you from this title today Secure in Christ, protecting your soul, your value, and your purpose. Let's pray so that God can touch our hearts. Jesus, Lord, we ask you in this moment, speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds, Lord, that we may receive your word. Use me as a vessel, Lord. Use me as a person who can deliver your message this morning, God. Speak to us this morning. Let somebody feel the impact. Let somebody feel your love, Lord. Have somebody take something away from this message this morning, Lord. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, may you say amen. 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 You may be seated. The curious thing about this verse is Jesus describes the enemy, the devil, as a thief. And he gives the thief, the enemy, the devil, some attributes, right? It tells us what the thief is going to do. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What I want to talk to you this morning, what I want to walk you through is in order for the enemy to steal, you must be of value. In order for the enemy to steal, you must possess something of value. In order for the enemy to kill, you must be alive. In order for the enemy to kill, you must have life. And in order for the enemy To destroy, you must be building something great. You must be a part of something great. So keep your value. Stay alive and stay at guard is what we'll explore today. We understand sometimes the enemy wants to kill. But first, let's look at what he would like to steal. Perhaps your relationships. Perhaps your spiritual relationship with God. Perhaps the roots you have embedded in church. There's a reason the enemy, the thief, goes after something. It's valuable. It's shiny. If it wasn't valuable, it wouldn't be of any interest. I don't remember the last time we walked through a store with my wife, and she was interested in something that wasn't valuable. I'm teasing. She's actually very good and and, uh, very humble, and she's watching, so thank you for that. I appreciate it, and I'm sure every husband in this church does too. But I think we can all relate that when we are perhaps out shopping, thrifting, looking at garage sales. I did it just this weekend, Saturday in the morning. I was driving by, and to my left, I see a bunch of clutter, just a garage sale. It looked like a mess. And I walked in there, and I started looking for things that could be of value, that I could resell. I wasn't looking for the things that were just, in my opinion, useless. I wanted something that had purpose, something that had value. Are you listening to me this morning? You have value. You have purpose. You have something God has instructed in your life, and the enemy wants to steal that from you. Here's the thing about stealing. You usually don't know until it's gone. You usually don't know that it's being stolen. It's only the matter of time you either walk out of your house and your car's gone, or you walk in your house and everything's gone. That's not a good feeling. Thank God it's never happened to me, but everything still stands. You find out until after it happens. That's how discreet, how nefarious, how intelligent the devil tries to be. But if you're not careful, if you don't pay close attention, if you don't stay at watch, the enemy can steal from you. Amen? Matthew six nineteen twenty 20 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves and treasures in heaven. So don't be so concerned about building wealth here in the earth. Anybody can steal it. The government can take it, right? Taxes, we all hear those things. We see what's going on in the world. They want ownership. There's one thing, let me tell you, that the enemy, the government, not your neighbor, not your brother, not your sister, can take ownership of if you give it to Jesus. And that's your soul. That's your purpose. That's your drive. That's your will, your love. All of these things are intangible. Nobody can put their hands on it if you give it to the right owner. Amen? Colossians 3.1.2 says, If ye then be risen in Christ not in the things of this world, in Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on the things above, not on the things of where? The earth. A lot of the times... We get so focused, and it's happened to me before. And I'll tell you what, God has a very good way of calling your attention if you don't pay attention yourself. I used to be and consider myself career-oriented, but I realized that was not my calling. That's just a phase of life that God is taking you through. My calling is, Pastor mentioned earlier, is a want to be involved, to help in the kingdom of God, to be able to portray. When those things align, when you align with God and your purpose, doors are opened. Things happen. They're, you can't explain them, but they do. 1 Peter 5 8 says, and here's what's important when you don't want someone to steal something, you have to be alert, you have to know that you have something valuable. You have to have it appraised. You have to have an understanding. But you have to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as, not like a roaring, but as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking who he may devour. One interesting thing is I was watching a documentary on animals in National Geographic And I used to watch that a lot. I don't know why. I I just all of a sudden stopped. But I found it interesting to see the behavior of animals, to see what they do. And the lion always looked and seeked its next prey, the one that was most vibrant, the one that was most alive, the one that wasn't sick, the healthy one, is what the lion wanted. Isn't it interesting that when you're about to do something great with your life, the enemy steps in front and says, I want your attention. Look over here. This is what I want from you. It puts something delicious in front of you because it wants to take you away from what you're about to do and because of the value that you carry. Right? Amen. The second thing, and moving into that, when the enemy tries to kill, well, you have to be alive to die. And I know this sometimes is abrasive, and this is maybe a little hard to hear sometimes, but I had to hear it. I remember being in church, and I remember, this is a while back, uh, in the previous church, I remember being there in a service and just in the pews, and I felt disconnected. I felt like I was just there, like my time was just there. I heard the songs. They sounded great. I heard the preaching, great message, but I felt disconnected. I was dead inside. Spiritually, I was dead. The enemy had already won that battle. I didn't have to go into a bar. I didn't have to go into a a, a music stadium. I didn't have to go to the discotheque. I didn't have to do any drugs. The devil had won, and I was in church. That's the crazy part. That's the part that it's just that line that you cross that you won't know until it's already there. But thank God for redemption. Thank God for love. Thank God for grace. Thank God for preachers who keep on preaching truth. Thank God for a good church where you can hear the word, where they can tell you what's wrong with your heart, where you know you have to come to the altar, where you have to repent, and you have to ask God, pull me in the right direction. And I remember I was praying and I came to the altar and the the pastor's wife came to me and started praying right on my right shoulder. And I felt like it was a ton of bricks. But it wasn't her hand that was heavy. It was my soul that had weight. I was carrying it. I had forgotten that someone said, give me your troubles and tribulations. I had forgotten that there was someone who could take the load off of me. She put her hand on me, and this is why it's important to pray for people. You don't know what they're going through. She had no idea what I was going through. But if you feel like you want to lay your hands on somebody and pray for them, go right ahead. God is ministering through you to them. Just pray for them. She got close to my ear and said, It's okay, my son. I'm still here. I'm still here. And at that moment, it's like something just clicked. And I remembered the first time I stepped into a church. And I remember the first time I fell in love with Jesus. And I remembered the first time I felt the glory of God, the presence. I felt alive. I felt alive. And then guess what happened? Everything was rainbows and stars, and I just kept on going. No, the complete opposite. The enemy realized I lost him. I lost something that I had. And he started coming after me. Through friends, through work, through school, he realized I had tapped into life. He realized I was no longer under his grasp. He realized I had reconnected with my creator. I had reconnected with my savior, and I was being filled with life. Again, John :844 says, "Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him when he speaketh. A lie he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. And a father of it. The enemy came after and said, you're going to be back in the same place you were before. It happened before. It'll happen again. He's lying to you. He lied to me. I'll tell you why. Because I'm standing before you preaching the truth. I'm standing before you knowing God performs miracles. I have a daughter who was is one pound, four ounces. Today she's nine pounds, eight ounces. Something that the doctor said It's a 50% chance. But with God, it's a 100% chance. The impossible becomes possible. My daughter is alive because of God. Amen. You're alive spiritually because of God. The moment we were buried, we became dead in the baptism, and we rose and we became alive. Amen. You guys are so good, by the way. Thank you. Romans 6.23, King James says, For wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through, say, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, one thing that comes with life is you have to maintain it. You have to nurture it. You have to give it. Life, you have to continue to feed it. My parents have chickens. Uh, Pastor has chickens, and maybe some of you have animals. But they have little chickens. My dad, religiously, every day goes tense to them. He's their caretaker. He makes sure that they have food, they have water, they have shelter. Three essential things of life. And if they don't have that, if they don't have him, they're in trouble. They've been in trouble before. He went on vacation once, left my sister in charge. I love my sister, but she's not a chicken caretaker. And about half of them disappeared. Yeah, that's not what my dad said. (laughs) His reaction was a little different. But at the end of the day, he knew what he was doing. God knows what he's doing. I can rely on God. I can trust in him. That he will take care of me. That he will nurture me. That he will provide a shelter for me. This church is a shelter. Spiritually, if you're burdened, if you feel heavy, you can come to this church. You can come to this altar, and you can find peace, tranquility. You can find grace. You can find forgiveness. 1 John 5.11 says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Salvation and life is through Jesus Christ. Salvation is through Jesus Christ. Amen? Wow, time flies. I'm not done yet. Don't get excited. The enemy seeks, what was the third thing I talked earlier? Steal, kill, destroy. The enemy seeks to destroy, but in order for the enemy to destroy, we must have something built. can't destroy it if you don't have it built. can't destroy it if you're not going to build something. We see all the construction going around in Colonial. It's never ending. It's always under construction. But it's under construction. It's being built. There is a progress in play. I'm sure if you ask the city manager, he would tell you when they plan to finish it. He may push it down the road, but they still plan on finishing it. I am under construction. My soul is under construction. My habits, my behavior, my mindset is under construction. I allow God to continue to edify me, I allow Him to continue to mold me. I am on the potter's wheel. The problem's going to be when you fall off of that wheel and you don't have anybody to mold you. I was listening to a video. It talked about prayer, and it talked about how we have to sometimes look at prayer differently. And I'm not going to preach on prayer, but I thought what he said was powerful. That when we pray, God doesn't necessarily just hear the words. He hears your heart and you have to hear his heart and what he wants and what he loves the problem is when you start listening to the wrong heart when you start listening to the voices of this world when you start listening to the media the media is not going to tell you go to church The media is not going to tell you read your Bible. The media is not going to tell you tithe. The media is not going to tell you be baptized. The media is not going to tell you you have something for you at at, at Pentecostals in Fort Myers. The media is going to tell you the complete opposite. There's death. There's destruction. There's war. There's famine. The media will tell you everything that's wrong in this life, but they won't tell you who can solve it. Eventually... The media will discuss about somebody who can solve it, but we all know that that's going to be a lie. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for wrestle... For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Every day that we walk outside these doors, every day that you are not knelt down before God, every day that you are out in the world, but not of the world, every day that you are there, you are going to be bombarded with wickedness. You're going to be bombarded with things that are not good for you, that are not going to build you, that are going to try to destroy you. When you come to church, God deposits the next brick of layer in your life the next nugget of information that you need to continue to walk down this path. Everything that I've learned here today is because God has placed somebody in front of me to talk to me and to teach me. It's because somebody has read the Bible, has been ministered, and has been received in um, inspiration, has received the word of God, and delivered it to his people. My family came to Christ because somebody took the time while in a shopping center to tell my mom, hey, I want you to come to my church. This was back in Michigan. I don't remember that lady. I don't know her name. But that's the important thing. Somebody sowed a seed. Somebody started to build something. Somebody started to do something in God's ministry. And God took care of the rest. God brought my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my older brother. Now all my nephews, my nephew two months ago received the Holy Ghost in church. He was baptized in Jesus' name. My niece received the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name. Now I have the privilege to witness one day, because I know it's coming, my daughters will receive the Holy Ghost. They'll be baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, because somebody went out to work to build something are you listening to me today you don't know what kind of empire you're building for god but the devil wants to destroy that the devil wants to take that away god says i have something great for you something great for your family something great for your children the enemy wants to destroy that He knows you have something valuable. He wants to steal it. He knows you're alive when you're in church and when you're in the word. He wants to kill it. He knows you have something great to be built. He wants to destroy it. James 4, 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That's important. We have to come to God. God will be there already for us, but he will still draw close to you. <laughs> Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. I'm a sinner. It's no secret. I'm not perfect. But God says, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded I make mistakes. I know you make mistakes. Nobody here is perfect. There was one man. There was one man who was perfect. There was one man who came to this world to demonstrate that it could be done. That's the man, Jesus, that we can rely on, that we can call on when we want to build something, when we feel like our soul's in trouble, when we feel like the enemy's after it. You say, Jesus, I need you right now. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you, and the enemy will flee. It's in his word. Why do we doubt it? It's in his word. We don't have to rewrite it, we don't have to turn it a hundred different times to get a different understanding from it. The devil will run away if God comes. Simple as that. It's amazing. 1 Peter 2 and 5 says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built, up spiritual, are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. We learned about priesthood at General Men's Conference. Uh, I, I know some of us were there. And they talked about being a priesthood of your family. As a father, as a man of the house, protecting, protecting your children. Just as God protects us, we watch over them. They don't know what we do to protect them. My daughters don't know. Sometimes they don't know everything that I do for them to make sure they have a good household, to make sure they get to church. I know. They don't know. It's the same thing. You don't know what God's doing around you to protect you, to protect your soul. How valuable you are. Sometimes we forget how valuable we are. We sell out for cheap things. I'm sorry, I've sold out for cheap things before. But it's momentary. It passes. Then you feel guilt. Then you feel, oh. And then the enemy uses that against you. Right? Do you see the progression? Do you see that everything is stacked against you? If you don't call on God, if you don't call on Jesus. You can't win without Jesus. Amen? I want to continue with the story I was reading earlier. Do you guys remember where we left off? He was passed out. Cold. Pilotless plane. Uh, Emil and I would probably have wanted an occasion like that where we could get a hold of the controls and land the plane. <laughs> we say that now, but when we're up there, we would probably feel the same thing David. David Gibbs felt. Immediately, David Gibbs... And his lawyer friends started to freak out. Sweating bullets, probably like I am right now. They didn't fly have never flown a plane. They didn't know about flying planes. They know about law. That's what is their expertise. They saw that there was a radio there and they clicked on the radio and they started clicking on it and saying, Hello, hello, is anybody there? Hello. After several attempts, a cargo plane that was flying out of Anchorage reached out to them and says, don't you have radio etiquette? No, we're not the pilot. We don't have a pilot. We're in distress. We have nobody to fly the plane. You mean to tell us you don't have anybody to fly you? No. Let me circle around you so I don't lose your range. Let me circle around you so I can keep within reach. And let me get a hold of somebody who can guide you back home. The tower in Anchorage, five minutes later, Reach them. This is the voice of Anchorage saying, I understand you don't have a pilot. I understand you're in distress. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, let me find you because you won't be able to find me. Let me look for you because you don't know where I am. After several minutes, the tower was able to identify them on the radar. The voice told them, This is very crucial. I need you to listen and do exactly as I say if you want to come home. You don't know where you are, but I know where you are now. I can guide you home. Just listen to my voice. There's a lot of storms between you and Anchorage, and it's going to be a bumpy ride. Buckle in. Just listen to my voice. I'll guide you home. David Gibbs commented in the story, and he said, I didn't question the voice. I knew, he knew what he was talking about. All I said is, yes, sir, what do you need me to do? He told him, I need you to make this heading, make this adjustment. You're going to be going through clouds. Had you not made the heading, had I not gotten a hold of you in time, you would have crashed into a mountain that was only four miles ahead of you. You would have perished. You would have died. I'm glad you got a hold of me. As they continued to, musicians can come. As they continued into the path, probably for three or four minutes, the voice came back and said, okay, you're well within path. You're coming in. Keep on listening to me. And then... I'm going to clear the skies. No more planes are going to be around you. The airport's going to be ready for you to come in. It's still cloudy. It's still can't see anything. It's still storms. Airplanes, other people that were in the air started to tell the, uh, David Gibbs and his friend, hang in there, men. Hang in there. Listen to the voice. Continue to hang in there. They'll bring you home. Just hang in there. We're praying for you. As they approached the airport, this is the most crucial part. Easy is take it off. Landing is the hard part. Getting home is the hard part. ATC, the tower, told them, okay, you're not going to be able to see anything because of the low altitude clearance, because of the clouds and everything you see. But what I want you to look for is down in the runway, as you're approaching, as you're descending, you're going to see lights. These lights are in the shape of a Cross. You'll be able to see the lights. It'll be apparent to you. But you have to get closer. You won't see them for where you're at. And they're coming in closer, and they begin to see the lights. And it highlights to them where the runway is. And they bring the airplane down. They listen to the instructions. And David Gibbs says he landed the plane seven times. Bounced his way to the tarmac. He did a great job. They parked the airplane And the voice started to crack. Thank you for listening to me. I see them crash and burn all the time because they don't listen to me. They start hearing to their own thoughts. They start hearing to their own feelings. They start listening to other things that their friends are telling them in the airplane. And they crash and burn all the time. But you listened to me. Church, we have to listen to God's voice. You have to listen to his voice. David Gibbs went to a hotel with his friend that night to rest it off. And at 4 a.m., he heard a knock on the door, opened the door, and in front of him, a gentleman says, you made it home. David Gibbs says, you're the voice. There will be a time where you and I are before God. And we'll hear his voice. Because we listened to him. We didn't question him. We listened and obeyed. We listened and were guided. We listened and were navigated through a storm of world. This world is a storm. We're not of here. We're passing by. You can stand with me tonight. There is someone that you can listen to all the time, who will give you sound advice, who will nurture you, who will show you how valuable you are. You're going to be secure in Christ. You don't have to worry. You can rely on him for everything you need, but he will take us through the storm. Life is not easy. I don't, I've never met anybody who said, life is a breeze. It's difficult. Being a Christian is difficult. Now more than before. But Jesus shows us it can be done. Amen? So if I want to ask you something to take away this morning, I want you to know and I want to encourage you and encourage your friend, encourage anybody else to keep your value by keeping in Christ. Stay alive by staying with Christ. Stay at guard. Protect what God wants to build with you by allowing God to guard you in his arms. Amen. As the worship team praises, I want to thank God for this word because he spoke to my heart. And I know somebody felt something this morning today. I want to continue to listen to God's voice. I feel secure in Christ. I feel comfort in Christ. I feel edified in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. As the worship wraps up, we're going to go into prayer into our second service. Amen. Hallelujah,
1: hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. Oh, I won't fear, I won't fear. I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. My cup is overflowing. My cup's overflowing. No weapon can harm me, no weapon. No weapon can harm me. Oh, say I won't fear. I will